Good day. Welcome to the Corey Morgan Show. We got yet another good one coming up. Boy, the, the news just keeps coming hard and heavy. Rarely good news, but there's lots of news anyway. So since we're the ones who report on and analyze it for you, we have an embarrassment of riches to uh, share with you. Uh, let's see here just for today as well. As a guest, I'm going to have Landon Johnston on. For people not familiar with him, he's the young fellow who started that initiative to recall Mayor Gondek in Calgary. We're going to bring him in for an update, see how that's been going, what the plans are, and uh, just check in on that initiative in general. I think it might be almost a month in on it now. We'll see. That that clock ticks. They get uh, 30 days to work on that sort of thing. Uh, or is it no, 60 days they get to work on that, I believe. See, these are the things we need Landon here to clarify. Uh, as well, guys, I see you checking in. Mr. Stanley, Colin Gunn, Jordan, all on the uh, comment scroll. So if you're tuning in live, yes, absolutely use that. Send your comments my way. Chat with me. Send your ideas, thoughts. And I see them all. I won't necessarily read them all out. But it helps me get the show along and get those uh, onto some of the subjects I might not have thought of covering in the first place. But let's start with what's got me going today. And it's in a good way, kind of. So, I mean, Rachel Notley, she expressed her intention to retire as the NDP leader on January 16th. And since then, the race to replace her has been pretty dull. I mean, there's been four NDP MLAs now enter the race, and they've been lobbing softballs at each other and pretty much running lackluster campaigns uh, to date. They haven't been capturing the excitement or really even the casual interest of Albertans. So for political wonk, I like interesting races. And this has all changed, ironically, due to two men who haven't even formally entered the race yet. Both former Calgary Mayor Nahed Ninchi and Alberta Federation of Labour Gil McGowan uh, have expressed their interest now in pursuing the NDP leadership, and the fireworks are sure to follow. I mean, Ninchi and McGowan, they have much in common in that they both have thin skins and inflated egos. They also have some very serious differences. As McGowan's an in-your-face type of old-school union-pushing socialist, while Ninchi's more of a pragmatic type of leftist. He's, He's going to pander to an assortment of groups to try and gain and maintain power. Now, Ninchi is clearly giving the leadership serious consideration as he suddenly appeared giving fire and brimstone type speeches at leftist rallies. He hasn't denied his interest in the job and has been painting himself as something of a savior for the NDP. And he could bring their party back into prominence, he says. Legacy media is, of course, are dutifully giving Ninchi more coverage suddenly with interviews and polls. And there's even a story in the state broadcaster showing his favorite list of books last week. Yes, they, they certainly come around for Mr. Ninchi fast, don't they? Gil McCowan now, he's been entrenched in the NDP for decades, and he's less than pleased with the prospect of an outsider suddenly appearing on the scene telling his party it needs to be saved from itself. So he's decided to throw his hat in the ring. McCowan has kicked off his campaign by taking shots at Stephen Carter, who's long been a compatriot of Ned Ninchi and and in saying his campaign will not be run by party insiders, these are Gill's words, or self-styled strategy gurus with podcasts who too often look down their noses at ordinary working people and who've never actually run for office themselves. Yes, the shots have already been fired. Gill's going after Carter. I'm sure they'll start shooting back soon. Now, McGowan, he's an abrasive sort of brute who's known for verbally assailing media members with profanity-laden rants as he tries to block cameras with his middle finger. He's styling himself as being a worker who could lead a workers' party. He'd love to bring union, thuggery, and intimidation to the prominence it used to enjoy decades ago. He wants to be a modern-day Joe Hill who will inspire people to bring oppressive capitalists to heel. Ninchy? He's more an opportunist, willing to wear whatever cloak it takes to win. The Alberta Party was his first political choice of vehicle, but 
his unexpected mayoral win in Calgary uh, put a halt to his provincial ambitions. So since leaving the top job in Calgary, Ninji's been biding his political time to see where to go next. Since there's little indication Trudeau's leaving the federal job anytime soon, Head's turned his eye to the opening at the helm of the NDP. Now, McCowan, he has enough union support to potentially win the NDP leadership, but a, a loose cannon like him isn't going to win the premiership in a general election. Nancy, on the other hand, he could bring in new members and he might win over pragmatic existing members and might win the NDP leadership and could conceivably garner more Calgary support for the party, which uh, would be interesting, but it would cause a lot of division among the party loyal, wouldn't it? Both Nenshi and McCowan have already fostered some division with the NDP. Of course, they burst upon the scene and pushed aside four women who've put in their time as party MLAs. And basically what they're saying is, step aside, girls. It's time for the men to take charge and get things back in order. The feminist wing of the NDP can't be amused. I'm sure Nenshi will close his eyes, look at the ceiling, and explain more clearly to them why they need to embrace his guidance. Maybe he'll tell them to calm down. That always works. The NDP members, we're going to have a tough choice to make. Should they go with the unelectable McCowan, who would keep the party true to its roots, or should they accept some personal compromise and choose a party outsider like Nenshi to try and win the next election? The race has become interesting, and the future of the NDP is on the line. The Nenshi-McCowan battle won't do the party or Albertans really any favors, but it will offer us some fantastic political drama to observe. I'm looking forward to watching it, kind of like that morbid fascination akin to a kid who just put a couple of bugs into a jar and wants to see them fight. I'll try and give it a little shake now and then when I can. I don't really care who wins. I just want to see how low they're going to go and trying. So the NDP race, which I was indifferent to, has finally become exciting. And I'm looking forward to covering it with uh, all of the zeal I just showed now. All right, let's see what else is going out there in the big bad world of news and check in with our news editor, Dave Naylor. Hey, Dave, how's it going? It's going well, Corey. And you're right. The uh, NDP leadership campaign is now a, is now a must-watch event for anybody interested in politics. Oh yeah, those two. I mean, uh, assuming they follow through with their hints and running, are uh, it, it, they're not going to be nice to each other. No, all we need is is uh, Janice Irwin in there, and uh, that'll even make it uh, uh, more interesting. It certainly would. Well, we'll keep trying to twist her arm and, and get her to throw her hat into the ring. Yeah, now, uh, old Gill certainly doesn't like us. You'll remember the uh, the confrontation he had with. Uh, uh, Arthur Green, who was then our legislature bureau chief, at a at a protest march, he uh, he, uh, he gave uh, gave Arthur the middle finger and uh, didn't speak very uh, didn't speak very kindly to him. No, no, but I mean that is uh, sort of par for the course for a guy like him who believes intimidation and and that sort of thing is is what you're supposed to do at a political rally. Yeah, and I, I don't think uh, former Mayor Nenshi is uh, is our biggest fan either. But uh, you know that makes the game a lot more fun. But, uh, it certainly does. Uh, as usual, a busy, crazy uh, Wednesday, uh, Corey. Uh, I don't know if you're a fan of Gutfeld on uh, on Fox uh, every night. Uh, a news comedian, I guess, is the the best way to describe him. But holy cow, did he ever take a run at uh, our prime minister last night, Justin Trudeau, and his uh, his four million dollar mine uh, gender proposal, uh, mine clearing gender proposal for. Uh, uh, for the Ukraine, uh, so our opinion editor Nigel Hannaford has a uh, has a column on that. Uh, that's leading off our site, and uh, if you go into it, uh, WesternStandard.news, you can press a link and and see what exactly Mr. Gutfeld said about uh, Mr. Trudeau, and uh, it'll make your lunch hour more uh, more enjoyable. You remember yesterday that uh, Wendy's announced plans to hold uh, surge pricing. Uh, so your your baconator will cost you more in uh, in heavy uh, 
heavy uh, use areas and uh, your uh, your ice cream will be costly more in warm days but the it was a pretty big and pretty uh, fast outcry and uh, didn't take wendy's more than 24 hours to uh, to back down and change that plan so uh, so that's happening uh, we have a story from uh, Lee Harding about a Windsor policeman uh, who uh, thought uh, he would be good and donated $50 to the uh, uh, Freedom Convoy. Well, his police department in Windsor wasn't happy with that and uh, and fined him $80, 80 hours pay. So uh, he'll be paying for that uh, donation for a while. Uh, RCMP are investigating a jailhouse slaying in uh, Drumheller where there was a big fight and ended up uh, killing uh, one inmate. Uh, what else do we have? Enbridge uh, slashing hundreds of jobs uh, in Calgary this morning. Uh, up to 700 uh, people got jobs. Western Standard, or Western, 700 people got layoffs, excuse, excuse me, layoff notices, uh, according to our uh, sources. And uh, this is the fun one of the day uh, for me, uh, Corey. Toronto teachers are demanding the day off in uh, in April when it's a uh, uh, lunar eclipse, uh, you know, because uh, I guess they're afraid of what might happen uh, to students and themselves if they happen to uh, stare up at the uh, the eclipse during uh, daylight hours. I'll go by it. I'll go blind. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I think part of their job should be allowing natural selection to take its course. I mean, let those kids get up there. The, the smart ones will retain their eyesight and let the others uh, cook their eyeballs. But I mean, I'm pretty harsh that way. Exactly. I was reminded of uh, was a President Trump that came out and uh, looked straight up at, uh, at an eclipse <laughs> and that caused some hilarity. And uh, Stephen Harper's wife, uh, Lauren, tweeted last night, uh, uh, you know, when she went to school, uh, part of the science was, OK, you'd make a cardboard viewing thing to hold up and the reflection would uh, would show uh, so uh, yeah it's weird times we live in Corey and uh, Premier Smith is just wrapping up a press conference now on the province's new renewable uh, energy plans and rules so our energy reporter Sean Polzer is listening to that and uh, he'll have a report up uh, in a breaking news section very soon. Right on. Well, lots on the go. I'll let you get back to sorting and sifting through it and getting it up to the site there, Dave. Thanks for checking in, and I'll talk to you a little later. Yeah, we'll see you on the pipeline. You bet. That is our news editor, Dave Naylor. And as you can hear, yes, the stories are just constantly breaking and coming out. Everything from the, the somewhat light, you know, to the Wendy's cheeseburger uh, scandal going on to, you know, of course, more serious issues and happenings going on with... Uh, well, press conferences from Premier Smith or other news items that are basically breaking on things. So, guys, the reason we can do that, the reason we're independent, this is the nag. This is where I come in to remind you is subscribers. We don't take tax dollars. The way we can do this is through you paying $9.99 a month, 100 bucks a year, guys. You get full access. Get past the paywall. It helps funds guys like Dave. Uh, myself, the rest in the newsroom, uh, Jonathan, who's just gone up to Edmonton. He's working up in the legislature there. I'm sure he's going to do fantastic. If you haven't subscribed already, please do, guys. WesternStandard.news slash subscription, as you can see on the bottom. And, you know, nag other people to get on. This is how we can beat that odious legacy media. I want to start with something positive. I got sent this from a, a viewer, a subscriber, Jennifer. And this book is fantastic, okay? So this is called The Birch Bark Caper. And if you can see on it, this is from 1981, I believe. The, the picture on the one side, if you look, is actually a caricature of Pierre Trudeau as a big, ugly frog. And uh, the one on the right is, is of Peter Lougheed as a, as a beaver. And uh, yeah, it was, it's a great book. It, it kind of reminds me of Derek Smith's uh, The Prime Minister Who Stole uh, Christmas. 
uh, you know, it sort of reads along that line. Some fantastic uh, uh, cartoons and characters. These guys were a, a columnist and a, uh, uh, a cartoonist from back in the 80s, and they put this book together back then. Now, the book's in magnificent condition, and I gave it a read, and it was fun and, and, and good to read. And I'm not trying to sell this book, but the other point that it really drove home, and that's what Jennifer wrote in the note she sent with the, the book as well, was you could read that book, and most of the issues within it are just like, you know, today nothing's changed. Even another Trudeau in the prime minister's chair, the attacks on Alberta, the attacks on the oil field, the constant battles, the back and forth. So it, it brings us back to that circular point all the time. We keep hammering our head on that wall of confederation and nothing changes. It's been over 40 years since this book came out and nothing really substantive has happened to make it any better. Uh, we're coming up on the 40th anniversary of Pierre Trudeau's famous walk in the snow. You know, it was in February, I, I think in 84, when he said finally to himself, it's time to step aside and, and move on. Maybe, just maybe, Justin will be inspired by his dad one more time and walk in the snow. I doubt we should be so lucky. He sounds as defiant and stubborn as he's ever been, but we can always hope. Uh, Mike from Freedom Honey actually stopped by the uh, uh, Western Standard Studios as well, and he dropped off a fantastic uh, deep dish pie, actually. So this is getting to be a great gig. You know, I'm not like a, a CBC guy who's making six figures and getting all those perks and flowing all over the world. But hey, you know, if you want to send little books and uh, pies to the Western Standard Newsroom, they're more than welcome, of course, or at least just subscribe. So, all right, let's see. We'll get on to what else we're going on in the news. Speaking of that, uh, this has been kind of a big one going on is, uh, yeah, the RCMP acknowledged it never interviewed Justin Trudeau, never interviewed him uh, when they were supposedly considering investigating into the SNC-Lavalin group scandal. This just came up in the, the, the House of Commons Ethics Commission uh, Committee. Now, they, 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 in the end, decided there wasn't enough there to, uh, to lay charges, but now we're starting to find out, no, maybe there was enough there to lay charges. But they didn't investigate it if they didn't even interview the prime person involved in the whole scandal, the one at the top of the heap. He wasn't even, you know, we're not talking about interrogation, I'm not talking about beating him, I'm not talking about putting him in cuffs and dragging him aside, but you at least do your job and interview, follow through, try to see what happened, get his version of the story, get an idea of what's up. But they didn't even do that. So basically, Prime Minister Trudeau was declared innocent uh, before the uh, investigation even got started. It's a rigged game in Canada, guys, and, and it's, it's, it's ugly. It's ugly, ugly, ugly. And now, you know, these admissions come now, uh, as well with the Aga, Aga Khan scandal, you know, where Justin and uh, family went to stay with a, a, on a rich private island resort, you know, the first time. He's done it again since then. We do have two-tiered law. Again, when you take it, you know, people get upset when I call it the Trudeau regime and they, they get upset when I say Canada is broken. But when there is a political class that isn't held to the same standard of the law that the rest of us are, then the country is indeed broken. There's no getting around that. But, uh, well, we'll just keep pushing on. We've got to get this clown out of here, but I don't know what it takes. I really don't. But, uh, was this, uh, you know, some of the questioning from committee. Why didn't the RCMP exercise its absolute statutory right under the criminal code to obtain a production order to search warrant from justice to, uh, you know, examine cabinet documents? And the commissioner said, 
we weren't able to obtain enough information or evidence. Well, wait a minute. So they didn't, they couldn't obtain enough evidence to go out and pursue evidence. They're, they're talking in circles. They're stonewalling. So, you know, funny when people talk about uh, things like the Alberta Provincial Police Force, we talk about forming our own out here. It doesn't mean it would be a perfect force or a great force, but boy, when you look at how unfortunately sick and broken the RCMP is, uh, you know, it's time. It's time. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of fine RCMP officers, but that central leadership, that corrupted leadership, clearly beholden again to the party in power that will not hold the federal party in power to account, won't keep them to the same standard of law as the rest of us, then we should get out. Why is it that we're jerks in Alberta when we even talk about it anyways? Ontario's got its own police force. I believe Quebec does. Newfoundland does, I think. Most cities do. But the RCMP in rural areas in most of Alberta is still a prime force. I see it's time to get out, guys. These guys are uh, you know, not doing anybody any favors. Uh, Landon appears to be running a little behind, it seems, so we'll just carry on talking about things. I'll talk about the another issue sort of related to what he's been working on with, with uh, holding the uh, city council to account. And there's been more and more talk about political parties possibly getting in on the municipal scene. And of course, the people are getting very, very upset with that, particularly, and unsurprisingly, existing municipal politicians. If they won already and got their role and got their seat in the old system, they don't want it to change. The issue we have is that we've got a lot of these municipal politicians, we see the same thing all the time. When they come up as an independent, they don't need to go through a nomination. They don't need, they don't have that fire first vetting that's going on. People in general don't know who they are. So they know, because if you look provincially and federally, Alberta in general anyways, tends to vote fairly conservatively. So they campaign conservatively. Ninchi did it, Gondek did it, others did it. And then they get in and they swing hard left because they can rely on our apathy and it's our own fault there. There's truth to that. It's our own fault in that front. But they rely on our apathy to just stay in there. and. Uh, Voters don't get off their butts and fire these guys. Now, why would a party change that? That's some of the questions that people might have. But think about it. In Vancouver, they actually knocked off Vancouver, the land of the left, knocked off uh, an incumbent mayor, which is a tough job in any city, but it's because Vancouver has a political party. You see, with a party, as I said, the first thing is it would give some vetting. So somebody, the, the party uh, presumably would have a set of broad principles. They're gonna have things that they all agree on, the candidates agree on, the volunteers agree on, things such as that. So there's gonna be people running for nominations to get in on these. And they're gonna compete against other people for those nominations. If it turns out it's a closet lefty, it's gonna be exposed at the nomination stage, not once they're in office. So that you've already got that first level of accountability. The other problem we have is we lose a lot of what have been could have been potentially very good civic politicians because they uh, didn't know how to campaign. It's a different sort of art form. It's a different sort of skill. They don't teach you how to run in a campaign or manage a campaign or any of that in high school. You might be one of the most well qualified, uh, you know, individuals in your profession. Uh, imaginable, but it doesn't mean you know how to run an election or get that across to other people. You might be fantastic in office, but don't know how to campaign. So they run and they lose. Parties provide resources. They provide training. They can provide uh, some consistency to show, like your, your, your average person looks at you blankly. I mean, I, I got to watch that language now and then when I use the term GOTV, which is a big part of what I want to get to with this municipal races and parties as well. 
It's a big term that's always used in election races. GOTV, GOTV. Well, what's that? Well, it means get out the vote, especially in tight votes. You see, people will identify one way or another, but it doesn't mean they will get off their butts and actually vote. So that's why when there's a campaign, they're hammering on your door like crazy, they're phoning your phone like crazy, they're driving you mad, they're annoying you. And most of what they're always asking is, can I count on you for your support? They want to know who you're going to vote for. And the reason for that is so that they can follow up when election day comes or advanced polling comes to start phoning you and nagging you yet again. I know it's annoying, but just saying, hey, come on out and vote. Do you need a ride to the poll? We can give you a ride to the poll. You know, get out and vote. Let's get you checked off so we can stop nagging you. It works. It works. It can bring out many, many more voters than would have normally done it. If there's a good uh, item on television, they might choose not to vote rather than come out that day. And that's where the apathy wins the day. Parties have mechanisms, databases, training, volunteers to get out that vote. So party candidates will be able to do that. Now in the last Calgary, well, Alberta municipal elections, there was a union-backed group. It always comes down to those public service unions. A union-backed group, and they had a $1.7 million fund. Huge. When you're talking municipal politics to start spreading that around and doing more promotion and things, that's a lot of money. And you can only gather that sort of money as a large organized group. So what did they do? They endorsed loads and loads of candidates. And loads and loads of those candidates won. What did we get to follow? Well, now we got candidates that are beholden to the public service unions. That means the unions are getting more sweet deals. We're getting larger sunshine lists. We're getting more highly paid civil servants and bureaucrats that we don't need. And suddenly Edmonton and Calgary are issuing huge tax hikes as usual because you got to pay those bills. Why did the unions win? Because they're organized. It's funny. People say, I don't want to see partisan come into our municipal system. Guys, it's already there. It's just informal. It's informal. Bringing in an actual system at least would bring it to the fore. You'll see it. It won't be hidden. It won't be some side group that nobody's heard of that's lobbying and helping out different candidates. It will be parties out in the open. Parties you can scrutinize and choose between because the parties are already there. The only thing, and I say it over and over again, worse than a partisan system in municipal politics is an informal partisan system in municipal politics. Don't try to delude yourself. It's there. These groups are there. And people have talked about that, you know, I'm going to talk a little more about parties in general. I've taken part in a lot of them. And yeah, it gets frustrating. You know, one of the things I hate seeing more than anything else is whipped votes. And every party does it. Conservative parties do it. Liberal parties do it. The rest of them do it. When you see what should be a contentious vote in a legislature, parliament, or any of those spots, yet each member votes exactly on party lines, none deviate. I despise that because you know that a few of them do not agree with how they voted, but they voted that way because the party told them to. That's the ugly side of partisanship. That's a problem with partisanship. But let's just imagine for a moment, let's say we took parliament and just wiped out parties somehow. Nobody in there was any longer a member of a party. Okay, well, unfortunately under our system, Actually, let's say we even had a Republican system. We, we elected a head of the parliament, a head of state separately. So we do have a president, prime minister, whatever that might be. But we've also got 308 or whatever it is, members of parliament now that have no party affiliation. They're all in there and they got no parties. How are they going to get anything done? What are they going to get done? <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. Within hours of this imaginary scenario, you know what they're going to do? They're going to start talking with each other and forming groups, forming alliances. They're going to start doing nose counts and see whose group is larger than which group. 
Which group can get which done? Which group agrees more on these principles versus those principles? Maybe we can get this bill done if this group works on that bill and then we all vote together and get that bill through. Guess what you got now? You got a political party. It'll be back within hours. It'll just be informal because <laughs> we can't operate without that. And uh, I saw, you know, people talk about proportional representation. There's where you get too many parties into the mix and you can really get into dysfunction. I think it was Tristan Hopper, maybe it was somebody else who pointed out, I, I saw a great tweet online where they said, uh, you know, if you wanna see what proportional representation would look like, just look at the deal Justin Trudeau just cut for the uh, pharmacare with the NDP to remain in power, which is exactly right. Unfortunately, if you get into that, and you get into all these endless minority governments and a bunch of horse trading going on with a whole bunch of different parties, you can really start getting some terrible policy in. Now, getting back to municipal politics again, and what a party can offer is policy formulation. You see, for people who don't watch, and I don't blame you, but if you don't watch municipal politics closely enough, unfortunately, what happens a lot, and so again, let's look at the city of Calgary. You know, they're, they're managing over 1.2 million people in this city, and their budget is massive. And rather than formulate policy, what they keep doing is asking administration to formulate the policy. It's kind of backwards. Then administration brings it back to the council and mayor, and the mayors usually just accept it as it is. In a party system, the party resources, the staffers, the rest are going to formulate policy. They're going to write the bills, and then they will work and debate and amend and fix up those bills. Does it always make a good bill? No, not necessarily. Of course not. But what do you expect to come from city administration when you're getting them to write the legislation all the time? Well, the legislation isn't going to serve Calgarians. It's going to serve the bureaucrats. It's going to serve the unions. Guess what? Why do you think the budgets are exploding? And they've made it backwards. They've made it backwards. We used to see that all the time in, uh, in the, the city council. Ned Ninchy used to scream at Sean Chu, for example. When Sean Chu dared, I remember one scene where Sean Chu dared to question the numbers put out by a bureaucrat who was hired to build bike lanes, who gave out a bunch of baloney stats about how many people want to ride bikes. And Chu dared to call her out. And Ninchy went totally off on Sean Chu about that. How dare you question her? You don't uh, question our city staff like that in here. Well, wait a minute. If city council can't question the major city staff, who does? That's exactly what they're supposed to be doing in there. But the administration bureaucracy is wagging, is the tail wagging the dog. The elected people actually are riding it and not doing the work, but they also don't necessarily have the resources. How much time can one city councillor have to write up a policy, a large policy, or a motion? But if they got a party behind them, they could. They could dedicate some people to looking at that, dedicate the party to actually going on the ground and seeing what people want, if they want that policy or if they don't want that policy. The other people think some opponents have been saying, folks online, say, he, he add partisanship, it'll just ruin everything. Everybody will come in and, and, and they'll just you know walk the party line. Well, maybe, I don't know. It's up to us as voters again. We have to be engaged. I mean, we can screw up a party system just as well as an independent system. But who's, who's to say it's not screwed up already? You know, it's already a mess. So I, I, I don't know if we can make it much worse. Plus, the party system coming in, if one comes in, doesn't mean a person can't run as an independent. You can still go out there and run as an independent. So why not? Um... Jordan saying for the city of Calgary, the bureaucracy is basically the Senate. Yeah, kind of in a sense where they, they're appointed and uh, you know, they, they have a whole lot of power, yet they have no accountability. So yeah, that's sort of a way to put it. Though it, it's even more so, it'd be as if the Senate was writing the bills for Parliament. I mean, there are Senate bills, but they rarely pass. Uh, Jordan saying, could Calgary legally enshrine a constitution? 
Uh, well, it's getting into a, a different sort of road. I mean, there's also discussions about having a, a municipal charter and things like that that would enshrine more rights for municipalities and back and forth. But I don't know about a constitution. Uh, the municipalities are a creature of the provincial government. They're, the, they're an extension of that. They're actually somewhat beholden to the provincial government. I like to see more local government. I don't want to see the province stepping in any more than it has to when it comes to municipal politics. We saw that in Chestermere in Alberta where they had to fire a mayor and a few councillors because they were just that that crap crazy and screwed up and corrupted by the looks of things. They had to actually fire them. They had to intervene. At least there was a way to do it. Um, it looks like I'm guessing Jordan's not going to make it in. That's unfortunate. Either way, uh, so what Jordan, uh, um, uh, Jordan Landon, I'm getting mixed up. Sorry, Jordan. <laughs> Landon Johnson was working on. He started the initiative to recall Mayor Jody Gondek. Now, I'll, get a, I'll give a little more history on that. Jason Kenney, when he was premier, before he was premier, he promised us direct democracy legislation. He said, when we get in, you know, this was back when the NDP were still in, he was saying, when the UCP gets in, we're going to empower Albertans by giving them the ability to recall politicians, and we'll give them the ability to uh, force uh, referendums on issues as well. And after a couple of years in power, he finally gave us that legislation. And it was crap. I, I wrote about it multiple times at the time. I was furious because the uh, legislation was crap. What he did was gave us theoretical legislation where you could recall somebody, but set the bar so high that it's impossible to actually do it. And it just, it, it bugged me just from the deceptiveness of it. I would rather his honesty and saying, I just rather, I don't think it's good legislation and we're not going to do it. But to give us a fake, and that's what it was, a fake recall legislation, a fake referendum legislation, is basically just trying to pull the wool over the eyes of the people who put them there. And it really ticked me off, and it still does. So what uh, Landon did, though, was he invoked the legislation as per what is on there to, to see if he could actually get a recall for Gondek. Now, you've got to have a massive amount of signatures in order to actually initiate the recall. Massive. So, I mean, Gondek was elected by, uh, I think, 400 and some thousand votes in total or something like that. And uh, he needs, for, for, for uh, Landon to get this initiative through, would need over 500,000 signatures on the paper. More people than voted in the entire election to get the recall going. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. At least he's trying, but it's, it's just not going to happen. Okay, and but people, you got to remember, this is on paper. This is a petition that has to be witnessed by somebody. It has to have the person's name, phone number, email, uh, contact information, and their address. It has to be on there. And not everybody is comfortable sharing that with somebody who shows up at their door, or somebody they see at a shopping mall, or somebody they see somewhere else. So to think that you're, and, and they got a two-month timeline too. They got 60 days to do it. It's just not going to happen. But he did really get a lot of people excited about it. And there were a lot of other individuals came out to work on this petition. There's people still working on it right now. They're signing, uh, I've been watching online, you know, opportunities for people to sign the petition all over the city at different businesses, different venues. And the benefit that I'm seeing that's coming out of this is, is, is in, in a multiple levels, even if it wasn't what the initial attention was. The first thing was that it, it did expose, as, as James, the commenter, saying 500,000. Yeah, that's crazy. Yes, it is. It did expose just how crappy the legislation is. It's garbage, okay? But at least 
that was a way to drive it home, bring it into the news scroll. Most people didn't even know we had such a legislation. So thank you, Landon, for bringing it into the news scroll so people saw that there is such legislation and that it's crap. And uh, Premier Smith actually did at one point say, though I haven't heard any other further plans to change it, but maybe this is the opening to start pushing for that. She said that this is not workable legislation. It looks like it's not functional. Something's got to change with it. So I appreciate that. And the other part is it got people off their butts. I went to City Hall when they kicked their, their campaign off a few weeks ago with this. And hundreds of people came out to uh, try and, you know, put their names down and sign on this and to take more petition forms so they can go out and get more signatures. And uh, these are the people, these are the businesses that are getting the signatures, things around here. Now they can't use those signatures for anything else but the recall. Let me be pretty clear about that. I've been watching kind of the Facebook group that's talked about this, and people were also asking, well, couldn't we photocopy these signatures and contact these people later for the election? No, no, that's abusing the list. That's these people signed for the recall and nothing else. Do not use those names or contact information for anything else. Don't share it with any other group. I've noticed a couple of questionable groups, actually, and I wanted to ask about it. Unfortunately, Landon's not here. But uh, there's some questionable groups saying they're going to help with this. Okay, but remember, those groups thrive on databases and getting names on lists. And if people find out they signed the petition for this and they're suddenly getting phone calls or spams or things from a group that they wanted no part of, they're never going to sign another petition again. Never. Plus, you will have given Mayor Gondek, who implied as much that, they, you know, that, that people's privacy would be violated through this, uh, you know, given her more ammunition. No, no, Landon isn't supporting any of that. Maybe, let me make that clear. But when you've got a lot of volunteers working in a lot of different directions, some people can be misguided with it. But what they are doing is, is, is they should be networking with each other, and I think they are. Again, these are the workers. These are the people who go out and campaign. The people willing to go out and petition and try and get this done, these are the ones you do want coming out in the next municipal election. Because, yeah, you're not going to recall her this time around, but you sure as heck can make sure she gets fired next time. And you need people on the ground doing that. And right now those people are being gathered. They're learning how to campaign. They're learning how to petition. They're meeting each other. I hope that database is being maintained. I hope there's a, a group that's forming out of all of this that's going to withstand and make it beyond this petition and then put that effort in on something that will be achievable in the next election. And that is firing Jody Gondek and a whole bunch of those crazy, terrible counselors we got in there. Either way, uh, like I said, I'd hope we'd had the chance to speak with Landon. He apparently can't make it. So let's talk about some other stuff. This was an interesting one. Now I'll get into my self-serving news, but there's some truth to it. This is the ongoing federal bailout of money-losing news corporations perpetuates media failure, journalists uh, told the uh, Commons Heritage Committee yesterday. John Gormley, if you're from Saskatchewan, you're familiar with him. He had a radio show over there forever, and he's fantastic. I, he just retired recently from the radio, and uh, it was one of the best talk radio shows you uh, ever saw. And unfortunately, you know, he's retired. It, it happens. He gets tired. Uh, but he said legacy and, uh, you know, he, he, he's media lobbying and asking for the, the more money and bailouts isn't making for better media. No, it's making it worse. When we're bailing out failures, all you're doing is encouraging more failure. And it's good to see that coming out to these committees. Like, we've got some hard times coming. I, I was just curious. I looked at it because somebody sent me a link with the stock number for Chorus Entertainment. And uh, Chorus Entertainment's a big one. It owns a, a whole whack of radio stations, including a lot of talk radio stations. It owns global, you know, global television and, and a whole bunch of media. They're down to 70 cents a share. Uh, that's down 85%, I believe, since 2015. So, I mean, it's plummeting. It's going into the toilet. They're going broke. Uh, 
They're heavily indebted. Uh, they suspended their dividends around Christmas time, which means you know they just don't even have the money to pay their shareholders anything out of, out of revenues. They are up the creek. How much longer all those stations, uh, television, radio, and otherwise are going to make it, I don't know. It's not going to be for much longer. Uh, the Red Star is bleeding money like crazy. Uh, Jordan Luntz saying Post Media has been doing poorly. That's right. I think the only one that's doing somewhat well is the Globe and Mail because they brought in a subscription system early. You know, the thing is, these, these media outlets have to change. They've got to find another way to maintain their base because the current route has failed and it's failing and just getting more money to pour into a failed model isn't helping them. And they're going down. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it says Parliament in 2019 uh, approved a $595 million bailout. Yeah, including, you know, payroll rebates and all sorts of things. And uh, the viewership is going down. You see, I, I still wouldn't, I wouldn't support these media bailouts if they did work. But boy, at least, you know, if they could work, but they don't work. They're failing. They're not helping. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, here's an interesting one, and that's part of also was pointed out by Gormley. And this is a quote from him. He says, I don't necessarily accept the supposition that Canadian media is in trouble because it's underfunded by government. You know, he said the government has nothing to do with this. He said the media is in trouble because it did two things. It bet on a modernized definition of journalism that backfired. Mm -hmm. And they lost audiences. Secondly, it whistled past the graveyard as the internet and social media developed technology to mitigate uh, content and revenue away from the media, which was always entirely predictable. Anybody looking at things should have seen it coming, but they seemed to live in a world of denial. They didn't want to change their ways. They took on bad models and now they're going broke. And no, it's not due to lack of government funding. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, Let's see. Let's talk about other things that are interesting uh, out there. The House of Commons voted 318 to zero. That's unanimous, guys. Unanimous to give second reading to a bill banning replacement workers in the federally, federally regulated private sector. This is disturbing, guys. This is getting intervention into private businesses now. This is saying if your private business has workers going on strike, you are not allowed to hire anybody to replace them. In other words, you are now immediately over the barrel. You're done. They have a gun to your head. It's wrong. It's wrong. And yet, 318 cowards in the House of Commons voted to get that because they're terrified of the unions. I keep talking about unions on here a lot. Well, that's part of the reason is because the unions are at the root of so much of the ugliness we're seeing in politics. And we get the cowardice that comes from our parties and our Governments on all levels, because every one of them is terrified of having some sort of strike happen just before an election. They never want that. But this is different now. This is getting into private sector. Federally regulated, yes, but private sector. The Teamsters, for example, I mean, uh, truckers are federally regulated. Remember when they were forced to vaccinations? How'd that all work out anyways? And where were the unions to help those truckers? Where were the Teamsters? I don't know, they're padding their wallets somewhere. The Teamsters aren't exactly known as a uh, uh, you know, honest union, typically, are they? But they're federally regulated. So it would be illegal to hire replacement truckers if there was a strike. I mean, the, a strike, a strike is a right. And it is something that, that I don't believe, you know, should be banned. I don't believe unionization should be banned. But if there's going to be a battle between workers and the ownership of a business... You've got to allow them tools both ways. The skilled, experienced help walk out and hold their picket signs, fine. But then the business should have the right to see if they can replace them. And you know what? If the business can replace them that easily, the strikers screwed up. They obviously weren't worth as much as they thought they were. And that's how these things get resolved. 
And if the business screwed up and found out that they can't replace these workers as easily as they hoped, well, then they'd better start negotiating with the workers. But when you take away the ability for the business to hire replacement workers, it basically means the business will be shut down the moment these guys go on strike. You've just handed them a loaded gun, the unions, and, and taken away all recourse for the business. This will not do well. Yet, as I said, 318 to 0 voted in favor of this. And, uh, yeah, it's going to really screw things up further when things were screwed up enough already. Uh, let's see, Conservative MP Kelly McCauley in Edmonton. Uh, yeah, he uh, got a house order compelling those two arrive can, arrive scam app witnesses to testify or be taken into custody. So it's going to be interesting to watch this. They got three weeks now to surrender themselves. Surrender. Like I said, here's a warrant out for them. They have to show up. If they, you know, they've, they've been summoned twice and they've ignored it both times. It's funny, again, with a little guy like us, if, if I get summoned or something and, and don't show up, don't worry, they will come get me. Well, in this case, finally, it took a lot of work, but there is a, essentially the parliamentary form of a warrant. These guys have to show up and start speaking. Now, the problem is they, they might come before Parliament and just fire out a bunch of lies or just not answer questions, even though they're standing there, but having them dragged physically in there, showing at least we're following up a bit on these guys who clearly, by all appearances, been robbing us of our tax dollars. Uh, the latest update, you'll see that on the Western Standard. Let's talk about Trans Mountain. Let's talk about <laughs> Trudeau and his PharmaCare bill, right? He, he's signed a deal with the devil. Him and uh, Jagmeet Singh are, are, are going to bring in this partial PharmaCare thing. They're fighting with the provinces of Quebec and Alberta over it already. Uh, they're going to fund uh, insulin for, for diabetics and uh, uh, birth control for the promiscuous. And... Uh, Fine, I don't know. I don't want to go into that, but they're, they're gonna they're gonna mismanage the hell out of it. <laughs> There's the problem. If you want to take a commodity and make it hard to get and make it expensive and limited and rarefied, let the government manage it. Just look at it with healthcare in general. How easy is it to get in to see a specialist? How fast can you get in through an emergency room? How long does it take an ambulance to get you to a hospital? How many people need a family doctor? Oh, but it's free. Yes, it's free to die waiting. So now when you get government now taking over pharmaceuticals, get ready for supply to be screwed up. Look, think of it all the way back, and, and you can make comparisons to the Soviet Union. Uh, they ran out of toilet paper. They ran out of ridiculous things because the government was trying to manage it. The government can't manage those things well. Uh, Wildrose is saying, why is Alberta opting out? I'm missing, uh, uh, on something on the surface. It seems good. Well, part of it is part of it. I mean, it's to be fair to the federal government. We haven't seen the full bill yet, so we can't see for sure. But part of it is it's not their bloody jurisdiction. This is provincial. If the government wants to do this, they got to be working with the provinces because the provinces are the ones who are supposed to administer the delivery of health care. And that includes pharmaceutical goods. If the government's going to get involved in the first place. Uh, the other thing is another one of those federal programs saying either you take it or we take the money away. Well, wait a minute. It's our money. All the province is saying, give it to us and we'll deal with it. Whether or not the province deal with it better or not, I don't know. But it's more government overreach. That's part of the problem. And it gives a poison pill because, uh, of course, yes, then they could say, oh, look at those those mean, nasty, uh, you know, provincial politicians want to make diabetics keep paying for their insulin. No, that one always has bothered me. It, it is a bad one. And that's why they chose that one. Where they want a bunch of you know unplanned pregnancies happening and, and flooding the, the 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 hospitals and 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 you know abortuaries and everything else. 
it, it, it's it's politics. It's not making people better. It's not saving money on healthcare. So to, to go back to that point, the latest news on the Trans Mountain Pipeline, the pipeline that Trudeau regulated out of existence and then had to buy with our own money because he's finally backed himself into a corner because he'd shut down every other possible pipeline in the country already. Uh, it's turned into a disaster. Of course, it started at four and a half billion. It was supposed to be worth it. It's up to $40 billion. It just went up yet again in estimates by 10%. And uh, it's uh, also, uh, of course, going to be delayed by some more months. This thing was supposed to be done years ago. Delayed, 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 delayed. Why? Because government is running it. So again, you want efficient pharmaceutical delivery. You want things like that. Trust me, having the government do it is not going to be the way to make those services better or more accessible. I mean, I think we can be finding ways to make sure people don't fall by the wayside. I hate to think of a diabetic person who can't make the bills because they're paying for insulin or things like that. But uh, again, getting government in, guys, it's not going to make it better. Speaking of which, let's uh, wrap up with a couple other quick little things in government stupidity. Ottawa is looking at banning electric heaters. Yes, portable electric heaters. They're going to ban them. Apparently, they decide they're unsafe. So when your heat pump fails, after you got rid of your natural gas and your backup was an electric heater, I guess you're just going to freeze. What I suggest is... Uh, I don't know, tearing the wood out of your local member of parliament's office, bring it to your house and start a fire to make yourself warm. Because they've banned every other bloody way to do it. We're a winter country and they're actually considering banning electric heaters now. This, speaking of government overreach, speaking of government uh, just going well and beyond, but that's how insane this government's gotten. How it needs to be reined in. Uh, Wendy's, one more thing. Yes, I guess you're going to have to, uh, the surge pricing went by the wayside. I was looking forward to see that experiment go a little farther. Uh, people get upset when their cheeseburgers might go up. But the thing people forget as well with capitalism when they get to do things, if they'd have had that surge pricing in, it could help them maintain lower pricing during the slower hours. Like the, people forget that other half of it. They lost it as if it's your right, it's your intrinsic right to have access to cost-effective fast food. Guys, it's Wendy's. I can't believe how much you lost it. The sense of entitlement you have. Don't like it shop somewhere else, but that's not the view of things. Either way, they did speak up. Wendy's backed off. And uh, we're back to your normal greasy burgers. They'll probably just raise the price on all of them now. I'm not sure if that's a better outcome. Oh, well, such is life. Okay, guys, that's what I've got for you today. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Keep an eye on things. And uh, we will be updating them. The pipeline will be on a little later. We're going to break down a few more issues and uh, yes, there's always lots on the go. Be sure to go to the westernstandard.news. Take out a subscription. Watch for those things as they break. We have it going all the time. And get your subscription. Thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in. We'll see you again next week at this time. Canadian Shooting Sports Association. Without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, long ago. These guys are on the front lines helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada. And more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. You become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny.